A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. In early September comes a story of horror and haunting regret. A group of homeless men fishing for a little fun and folly latch on to something that might be a mermaid. Remember, regret lives on and lingers long after the last teardrop has fallen. Harry's Mermaid is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon, and narrated by Tom Zania. Rust Belt, USA, where steel is dead, hope is scarce, and hardship is a way of life. Miles Junction is but one of many northeastern Ohio towns, long forgotten and left behind, its residents living on the cusp of financial, emotional, even spiritual destitution. Taking place during the last few decades of the 20th century, in just the right light, written by William R. Solden and narrated by Tom Zania, is a glimpse at one region's bleak inheritance and the precarious lives of those who remain to rummage through the fallout of its past. There's a doorway on Mars that has mankind's greatest minds perplexed. Deep beneath Mars, an ancient secret is revealed, and a team of explorers led by Forrest Judge, Deputy Commander. The doorway closes, and the team is trapped. Six mission specialists, each with unique skills, each with different reasons for wanting to break free of the primordial trap. In Dinosaur Red, written by Edward J. McFadden III and narrated by Tom Zania, Judge is forced to choose between escape and changing the course of humanity. What will he do? All three of these great books are narrated by Tom Zania and are available now at audible.com. And we are back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the number one spoken word podcast in America. I know there's a million and one podcasts out there. You don't have to listen to mine. But if you do, well, consider yourself a great and wonderful, open-minded person. Okay. (laughs) So today, I want to talk a little bit about a guy that I used to watch on TV. Uh, It was on the networks back in the 60s. And this is what it was to me. A man who rode around in this big boat and studied things all over the planet, usually underwater. This is Jacques Cousteau, by the way. I'm talking about a Frenchman named Jacques Cousteau a retired naval officer who got himself a boat 
and became probably the most famous oceanographer in the history of oceanographers. Yeah, that's right. And it's <laughs> Ann Seifeld. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's it's about him and his crew of, I don't know, 28 people, I think, if they said it was. But um, <clears throat> they went all over the world, and I thought it was such a great TV show uh, because it it, uh, it taught us something, and it taught us about the fragility of the planet. And, um, well, listen, most of my listeners know who Jacques Cousteau was, but there may be someone who does not. And here's some information about him. From Wikipedia, Jacques-Yves Cousteau was a French naval officer, oceanographer, filmmaker, and author. He co-invented the first successful aqualung, open-circuit scuba, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. The apparatus assisted him in producing some of the first underwater documentaries. Cousteau wrote many books describing his undersea explorations. In his first book, The Silent World, A Story of Undersea Discovery and Adventure, Cousteau surmised the existence of the echolocation abilities of porpoises. The book was adapted into an underwater documentary called The Silent World. Co-directed by Cousteau and Louis Malle, it was one of the first films to use underwater cinematography to document the ocean depths in color. The film won the 1956 Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and remained the only documentary to do so until 2004 when Fahrenheit 911 received the award. It was also awarded the Academy Award for Best Documentary in 1957. From 1966 to 1976, he hosted The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau, a documentary television series presented on American commercial television stations. A second documentary series, The Cousteau Odyssey, ran from 1977 to 1982 on public television stations. Cousteau was born on 11 June 1910 in Saint-André-de-Cubzac, Gironda, France, to Daniel and Elizabeth Cousteau. He had one brother, Pierre-Antoine. Cousteau completed his preparatory studies at the College Stanislas in Paris. In 1930, he entered the École Navale and graduated as a gunnery officer. However, an automobile accident, which broke both his arms, cut short his career in naval aviation. The accident forced Cousteau to change his plans to become a naval pilot, so he then indulged his passion for the ocean. In Toulon, where he was serving on the Condorcet, Cousteau carried out his first underwater experiments, thanks to his friend, Philippe Tellez. Cousteau also belonged to the Information Service of the French Navy and was sent on missions to Shanghai and Japan and in the USSR. And that, of course, was the first part of the story. The Calypso is the second. Here it is. From Cousteau.org, 
Cousteau meets Calypso. In Malta, Jacques-Yves Cousteau discovered a former Royal Navy minesweeper that had been converted to a ferry and named Calypso. The ship was christened in 1942, but her first prosaic name, J-826, belied the exceptional life she would lead. To Cousteau, she was the ideal ship for his plan to explore the seas. Thanks to the financial help of Loel Guinness, the sale contract was signed on July 19, 1950. Calypso left immediately for the shipyard in Antibes, France, where she was transformed into an oceanographic ship and a new Calypso was born. One of her many innovations was the false nose, or underwater observation chamber, built around the prow and equipped with eight portholes for viewing. Much of the equipment was donated by the private sector, including many companies and the French Navy. Jacques Cousteau and his wife Simone also devoted a major part of their personal resources to the ship. In June 1951, Cousteau decided to put the ship in the water and run her first trials off Corsica. On board, the improvised crew was made up of a few friends. The whole Cousteau family made the trip. Twelve-year-old Jean-Michel and ten-year-old Philippe served as cabin boys. On November 24, 1951, the real adventure began. Calypso sailed from the Toulon arsenal, headed for the Red Sea to study corals. The crew brought back valuable topographic and photographic documentation and samples of theretofore unknown fauna and flora. Cousteau came back convinced that there was only one solution for understanding the sea. We must go see for ourselves. Calypso was the ideal tool for that challenge. In July 1952, Calypso left Toulon for Marseille. She shuttled back and forth to the little islet of Grand Conglou, where the team was studying a shipwreck from the 3rd century B.C., lying 40 meters underwater. That was when a young Albert Falco joined the crew. Thousands of amphorae and pottery shards were brought to the surface and taken back to the Borley Museum and the Roman Docks Museum of Marseille. During the summer of 1953, Calypso was used to test the new underwater cameras and electronic flashes invented by Dr. Harold Edgerton that made it possible to photograph deep-water animals, pushing the limits of underwater exploration. The ship was ready for the fantastic film and television adventure that lay ahead of her. These 42.35 meters of floating wood became a laboratory, a film studio, and home to a crew of 28. In 1954, the ship left on expedition to look for oil, resulting in the discovery of a rich oil field in the Persian Gulf. The year 1955 saw the production of The Silent World, which later won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and the Oscar. Calypso, by then famous, began a series of scientific cruises, studies, and exhibitions that would require further modifications to the ship. She was equipped with submersibles, a helicopter, and all the tools needed for her mission. With her huge crane, bristling antennas, and knobby underwater observation chamber, the ship looked like no other in the world and was known 
to everyone in the world. For 40 years, Calypso carried Captain Cousteau and his teams to explore all the riches and the fragility of the oceans. At once a vessel, an operations base, and a home, the ship sailed from the warm waters of the Indian Ocean to the ice of Antarctica. She towed the conshelf structures, sailed up the Amazon River, housed film teams, and became the symbol of a world to be explored and cared for. Breakdowns, hurricanes, storms, ice, sandbanks, through them all, Calypso was the leading actress of the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. She surmounted many an adventure and challenge. In the Suez Canal, she was almost sunk by mistake during the 1956 Egypt-Israeli conflict. It was three o'clock in the afternoon, in the port of Singapore, January 8, 1996, when a barge in the process of being moved seriously damaged Calypso just as she was about to depart for a Yellow River expedition. Her hull perforated, the grand old lady who had traveled through so many challenges healed over and sank. The hearts of all her crew members over the years sank with her. It took seventeen days to get the ship out of the water. Forever wounded, proud Calypso was now headed for one last mission, to bear witness for future generations of the extraordinary life of Captain Cousteau. Born of war, Calypso has become the messenger of peace and of protecting the water planet for future generations. Expeditions continued with her younger sister, Alcyone, daughter of the wind, launched in 1985. Calypso did not belong to the equipped Cousteau when she was sunk in the port of Singapore. She was actually leased by Loel Guinness to Captain Cousteau and then to his organization. After her tragic sinking, she was brought back to France and sold to equip Cousteau for the symbolic sum of one franc by Loel Guinness's grandson and heir, which precipitated a flurry of legal problems. Equip Cousteau was finally recognized as owner of the vessel with full rights to undertake her restoration, which was begun in October 12, 2007. The sturdy wooden minesweeper has seen many reincarnations, as a ferry, an oceanic research vessel, a television icon, and a sad victim of a 1996 collision in Singapore. Restored, she will sail again as an ambassador for the seas and oceans, as Captain Cousteau wished. Since the tragic collision in Singapore, Equip Cousteau has fought to resurrect her as an inspiration for future generations and a platform for education and science, carrying the legacy of Captain Cousteau and the Cousteau flag all around the world. Cousteau has been awarded the label Boat of Heritage Interest by the French Maritime and River Heritage Foundation. The certification awarded for five years since January 2012 has just been officially announced by the Foundation. It is a great recognition for this floating legend which have sailed the world's oceans. It is also an opportunity for a reminder on Calypso's situation. Calypso has been awarded the... Calypso has been awarded the label Boat of Heritage Interest by the French Maritime and River Heritage Foundation. The certification awarded for five years since January 2012 has just been officially announced by the Foundation. It is a great recognition for this floating legend 
which have sailed the world's oceans. A pretty amazing man, a person who could be easily labeled as a Renaissance man. He was definitely ahead of his time. He made us aware, even back then, before it was uh, popular to talk about uh, people who were uh, trying to help save the earth or make it a better place to live in, uh, taught us about the fragility of the planet. And that, of course, became much more important later and still is today. We don't talk about it as much, but we should. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Time Read Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded. Please tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today, because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Let's end today's show with a great song by John Denver about a great man, Jacques Cousteau and the Calypso. Thanks for coming. I'll see you next week. To sail on a dream on a crystal clear ocean To ride on the crest of a wild raging storm To work in the service of life and the living in search of the answers to questions unknown To be part of the movement Part of the growing Part of beginning To understand I could have so the places you've been to The things that you've shown us The stories you tell I could have so I sing to your spirit Ah!
This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.